Hello, friends. Thanks again for hitting that play button on Fitz Nation. This episode, I sat down virtually connected with Brendan Allen, the UFC middleweight. He's actually got a fight coming up against Christoph Jotko on October 1st. Brendan Allen is, uh, you know, he's quietly one of those prospects in the middleweight division that has had some strong results. I believe he's 7-2 and two in the UFC. Uh, most of his wins, stoppage wins. He's coming off a victory in Singapore. He actually gets into it and how, how bad he felt um, in terms of his performance and like when he was fighting and the mentality that goes along with uh, fighting Jacob Malkoon and just like, I need to beat this guy. If I don't beat this guy, then I'll be out of the UFC. Um, really interesting kind of mental battle he was going through for his last fight but he gutted out a victory that was back in june and as i said he returns to the octagon he is an understated guy like he's not going to be one of those social media guys that's going to talk a lot but he also gets into the fact that like he's not going to back down either and in the gym he's a totally different person because he's kind of an introvert uh when it comes to the public setting but when he knows you and when he's in the gym and he's in his comfort zone of the fight game then he's going to talk a lot of smack and he's going to put on a different personality. And I was able to get a lot of that out of him on this episode, which was kind of cool. And we also hear a lot about his upbringing as part of a military family and how he found fighting and also some of his family situations with his two daughters and his wife, uh, his brother that was, you know, really tragically paralyzed from the chest down and still lives with that back in 2014. And uh, we get into how that's affected him and his personality as he's become an adult and a family man of his own. Just a reminder that if you want to watch the podcast, it's available exclusively on UFC Fight Pass. And there's an exclusive portion at the beginning of the interview, which I dial up some of his old fight footage. And we watch it along together. So I went back to his fight on Dana White's Contender Series. And we kind of talked through his memories of it. The finish that he got on there. His family was in attendance. And then also some of the fight building tensions. When you're getting ready to perform in the octagon. How that tension rises. And how it feels. I'm always fascinated by how fighters deal with how they're feeling the day of the fight, in the back in the locker room, on the walk, standing in the octagon, but not ready to fight yet. It's such a an interesting portion of the fight game to me. And we watch back uh, some of when he was getting mean mugged by Puna Soriano, and then he kind of ran into the octagon and then broke the tension. And sorts of, uh, some more visual components, I guess is what I'm trying to say, is available on UFC Fight Pass if you want to tune into Fitz Nation. And also about 15 minutes of exclusive content at the beginning of the interview. But we start here on the audio portion with uh, his talking about his upbringing, military family from the Carolinas, Southern boy, Brendan Allen, who again gets back into the octagon soon. I hope you enjoy this uh, unique and kind of deep dive look into the life and times of all in Brendan Allen. Enjoy. Fitz Nation, let's go. I always had to be mega in the zone, ready to go out there on my shield. Be in the question. And don't look for the answer, because the answer is the end. Think about who I'm fighting for, fight for something greater. At the end of the day, you got to believe in yourself. It's time for the Fist Nation podcast with your host, Brendan Fitzgerald. is covered up. Here we go with uh, Brendan Allen and his pet bird. Shit, no. Oh, my goodness. How are we doing? Can you describe, um, can we go back to your early years and, like, describe your upbringing and, like, what it was like as a boy from the South who eventually finds martial arts? I I mean, when I was really young, I, I was brought up in a military household. My dad was in the Marine Corps. My grandfather was in the marine corps my great-grandfather was in the marine corps so like i was brought through a military kind of lineage and outlook i guess you would say so i was born right outside of um paris island in south carolina and we bounced back and forth between north carolina and south carolina between uh camp lejeune and paris island a lot 
so I was always moving every couple of years and I get to see my dad. He was a drill instructor at that point in time. And I'd get to go see him and see all that kind of stuff. And then eventually he just, he got out of the military and we moved back to Louisiana and I was finally able to play like sports like football and all these different sports that I never got to play there just from moving so much. And I just wasn't old enough at the time. And uh, I got into playing football. I love football. I was pretty good at football. And um, still, I think that's my most enjoyable sport. Like I, I just yeah. do it because I enjoy it. Um, but we were, I would play and then on the weekends we'd watch UFC and I don't know, man, it just kind of happened to where my brother switched schools in high school. He had a friend that was doing jiu-jitsu and uh, they were like, Hey, you want to come try it? I was like, yeah, why not? So I went and tried it. I, I went and watched the class and, uh, they had like geese that you could try. And right. I was like, no, I, I want my own gi. And my dad's like, no, you're going to try it. I don't, how do you know you're going to like it? And I was like, right. dad, I like it. So literally that day he bought me a gi, signed everything. I came back the next day and I finished that football season we were currently in and never played again. I was, never played again. Never played again. My coaches were all uh, like at that time they were all still like coaching for the high school that I ended up going to anyway. And my senior year they tried to get me to come play, like start and everything because I was pretty good when I was younger. And um, I was like, my, well, my dad said no. He was like, once you left, that was it. Cause especially when a kid got paralyzed, like during that time where yeah. I was. And I was like, no, nah, I don't think so. So I was already fighting at that point anyway. I'd already had, I don't know, three or four fights. Isn't that wild, man? It's like, <clears throat> it's like your dad, you were fighting, but he's like, you're not playing football. Yeah, man. Football is he- interesting now these days. Like I have a seven-year-old son. It's like, I'm not going to put him in a tackle football, like, you know? I don't know if he really wants to, I would, but I'm not like play football, play football, play football. It's different now. Um, for you, yeah. how did it, how did it, um, growing up in a military family affect who you, the type of person you became? I don't know. My dad was pretty strict. Um, very like, I guess, detail oriented almost to a point with certain things like a room had to be clean this way. It had to be, this nice. And if you ask my dad, he's going to be like, Oh, you were spoiled. You were babied. You're, yeah. you know, but, um, yeah, but that was very strict and we moved a lot. So for me, like my brother's the outgoing one, my brother's the Mr. Cool guy and all that good talker and all those kind of things. Uh, whereas I'm more reclusive. I don't like crowds. I don't really like a whole lot of people. Um, but I think growing up and moving so much, I'd go to a school and I can still remember at points where I was just like, oh, I'm only going to be here for this year anyway, and then we'll be moving. So I don't really care about none of y'all. I don't want to get to know you. I don't, it doesn't matter. You know, I'm going to be going. Yeah. Here. So uh, I think that kind of like played into that reclusive, you know, part of me and just being to myself and, um, you know, growing older and getting into nature and stuff, I think that also, you know, played a role into why I like nature so much and like hunting and doing all those sort of things is just because I just grew up learning, like, I don't need to get to know you. I'm not going to be here long anyway, so it really doesn't matter. But I think also being in this sport has allowed me to make really good friendships with people from around the world. Like, my best friend is from London. Right. Um, so, like, just meeting so many different, like good people. I think I was, if that's the one thing I could say about this sport has just been how many great, like good people I've got to meet has probably been probably the best part of it. Yeah. So you're an, you're a natural introvert anyways. Yeah. hundred percent. I don't, I don't like people. I don't like parties. I don't like big groups. Uh, none of that kind of stuff. I'm, I'm not into that. I don't like, I like my space. I like yeah. to be to myself. Uh, I like to do what I want to do. I don't like people all, all around me and stuff. Why do you think you liked fighting so much in martial arts in general? I think I, just the one-on-one, like there's no one to blame but myself at the end of the day. I like that sense of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Where it's just on me. There's no one else to blame. Yeah. So I, I like The individuality just, of it. Just, yeah, yes. it's all on you. Yeah, exactly. The individuality of it is what I like. I like it's true. It's it's so raw competitiveness. It's just me and another man. Can I make him quit or can I put him away? Whether it's by luck 
or by, you know, just being that good. Um, but if I don't do it, it's on me. It's either he's the better man or I messed up. And um, I, I love that sense of responsibility. And um, I, that's why I've grown to learn when it comes, like, to this sport and how I've managed my career, at least now, is I'm the boss. And at the end of the day, I'm the person that steps in there. I'm the person that takes the lumps. So, therefore, and I'm also the person that gets ragged on if I get beat in yeah. front of millions. People, I'm the one that has to deal with all that bull crap that comes along with it. So it's my decisions, and that's what I love about it. I don't have a boss. I do what I want. So this is like something that I've noticed <clears throat> or really kind of started um, talking about a little bit more when I explain to people. Oftentimes, martial artists are natural introverts. I think that's a normal thing. Would you agree with that? I think so. I think if you watch them – you know, by majority in public, they, they're going to be to themselves. But if you get them around people that are similar to them, that's where they just open up a little bit. And obviously, we're doing the same thing. So we're pretty much yeah. super similar. So that's where we open up. And yeah, I would agree with that. So why do you think that is? I couldn't answer that one. I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't know. But, yeah. but the juxtaposition of it is, Conor McGregor got huge because, geez, my voice is really going. Conor McGregor got really big because of his brash boastfulness, Colby, Covington, uh, like the biggest names in the sport, Masvidal, whatever. They're viewed as just this uber confident figure that is going to speak as loud or louder than what they actually do when they fight. But that's not true for like many martial artists who like get into the sport and like really love it in the first place. And so now like um, you are like very, very accomplished. You're seven and two in the UFC. You're only 26. You're still like on the rise. But yet, like you've even said in your bio, just like, I'm not going to talk a lot of smack. I'm just going to go out there and do what I do. Yeah. Um, do you struggle with that? Or like, have you ever thought about that, that selling fights is a whole different skill from winning fights? How do you how does that strike you? I, I definitely think it's a, it's a skill. And for me, like when I think about it, I, I promise you, if you come <laughs> to my gym, I'm gonna I'm probably gonna be the loudest guy in there talking the most shit to everyone. But those those are my friends, those are my, like my people. Like it's just a joke. It's just that's just me. If if I don't talk shit to you, I, I probably don't like you. Like when it comes to that scenario. Um but as far as other people, I don't want to talk shit to someone and then just get my ass whooped and then be like, ah, like everyone's going to rag you because of it. So plus on top of that, I can't talk all this amount of shit. I have two children that are eventually going to have an internet and be able to look at everything that I do. And they're going to be like, I don't want my kids to come to me one day and be like, dad, why did you do this stupid crap? Like to me that it, I'm not going to sell my soul to the devil just to make a lot of money. Like, I do pretty well for myself just fighting. Like, obviously, I'm trying to do even better, but right. um, I'm not going to sell my soul to the devil and be something I'm not and act some type of ridiculous way in order to achieve that type of financial gain. Because like I said, I, I, I do okay. Like, now I'm at the point I do okay for myself. So, I don't know. It's I think it's just as far as you're willing to go. But I think, dude, to be honest, I don't think he's the best fighter. But I think he's super smart with how he markets himself as Sean O'Malley. I think he's he's a great how he thinks as far as marketing and you know writing that out. He's a good fighter, but I don't think he's the best fighter, like especially all around, you know. Right. Um, but I think the way he markets himself, the way he plays his that role that he plays is very smart. It's very good. I don't think he goes. I think he goes, you know, maybe a tad far sometimes. But it's very, it's very rare, I would say. I think he speaks his mind. and Hey, maybe his mind's a little out there, but if he believes it, good for him. But what he does and what he says, I think is I think as far as I would go if I was to do something like yeah. that. I think he's very smart. I think he's – I give him a lot of props for, you know, especially his marketing and things like that. I mean, I was at the International Fight Week fight, and, man, the, the amount of people in there that had his little jerseys on, the little highlighter green, they stick out – yeah, the highlighter green and pink, they stick out like a sore thumb and it's smart as hell. Like, right. So smart. So what do you, how, how much time do you think about that for you? Think about what? Just like cultivating who you are for the fans beyond 
I'm going to win fights. I think it's just like, for me, it's just maturing and just showing people like I'm at the point where I just don't really care. Like, I'm just like, oh, you like me or you don't. And um, I try to be professional um, to an extent. But if you catch me out outside of like the meetings and stuff like that, because at the end of the day, I'm very thankful to do what I do. I'm thankful to meet the people that actually enjoy this sport, that care about this sport, that want to meet the fighters. So I enjoy doing those things and taking those pictures and signing those things. But if you catch me just like on my own time, like people be like, who the hell is this guy? I talk a lot of shit. I'm... <laughs> but like that's just not something I want everyone to necessarily see. That's yeah. just uh, because like I, said, I do that to people that I care about and that I like. Um, and obviously everyone I don't care about like, so right. um, I don't want that to be taken the wrong way. Like it, it took me a long time to be able to generate that to, to people that I care about rather than people that I got a problem with. Um, right. so if I say this, if I talk shit to someone I'm about to fight, I don't know, man, it's, there's a couple that I mean it. Like I mean it. If I see you, I'm going to slap you. Or if you say something, I'm going to slap you, but. If I see you, I'm probably not going to slap you unless you really did something wrong or said something really crazy to me. <clears throat> I'm still going to instigate it to where I can slap you and have a reason, but I'm not just uh -huh. going to smack you because of it. Well, I, like if it's somebody that you have a problem with and don't like, you're probably more likely to just kind of let him be in the, the corner and you kind of stay in your corner type of thing. Is that right? Or are you going to instigate? You're going to get nasty. Uh, I mean... Hold on, hold on, hold on. Let's set this up. I saw you at the UFC cafe last month, right? You're sitting with Bilal and Lewis Taylor. <clears throat> and then Chris Curtis was walking by and you had fought Chris Curtis. Mm -hmm. um, and you were like, I don't want to say mouthing off. That's the wrong thing. But you looked very much in your element among other fighters. There were a lot of fighters around. And you were like, I'll fight him again. I don't give an F. Like, you know, and it's yeah. not, again, it's, it was a different side of you that I think you don't show to the fans uh, a lot. For, for reasons that you just described, but like when you are in that your element like that, you look like a very confident kind of like, I'll kick everyone's ass in this room right now. I, I have that. <laughs> in that an endearing story. way, like you weren't being an asshole. You were, I was yeah, just like, oh, no. I was like, look at this. This is a new Brendan. I haven't seen him before. Yeah, I mean, when it, I mean, if specifically on Chris, like, yeah, I'd love to fight him again. I like the guy. I really do. I still talk to him, you know, here and there a good bit. But as far as a professional, like, business manner, like, I'll probably fight him for almost free, to be honest. Wow. Just because of, you, you want know, it back. That, the situation I was going through, I'm not an excuses kind of guy at all. Like, he beat me that night. He caught me. It is what it is. But I know in my heart that I'm the better fighter. And the better fighter don't always win. I think everyone knows that. But I'm such a competitor in my heart that, Man, that those are hard for me to swallow. Like that, especially that one. Like that one. That one's a tough one. That, that one's a <laughs> tough one to swallow. I think both of the ones in the UFC. It took me a long time to get over the ones outside of the UFC, but I think I kind of chalked it up to you know I was young. It was a learning lesson. Uh, it just wasn't my time at that point. And still, I can still say the same thing for these. But there's really like outside circumstances that no one really knows about except for those close to me that really played to those two. And, um, mostly Chris, there wasn't too many outside. It was just, I made a stupid mistake for Strickland and that tried to pressure him when I should have made him come to me, but both fights, I feel I was winning. And, um, yeah, the first one, I just made a stupid mistake. <coughs> Second one. Yeah. It's just so much outside, but with Chris, there's no hard feelings for me as a person. I right. like, it's just a uh, business. I, I just want that one. And Strickland, like, we have no beef now. We did. But, um, yeah, I want that one back, obviously, too. And it has nothing to do with <laughs> success and what he's done. It's just, right. Uh, yeah, I just, so, I know. Um, this show is for, you know, behind-the-scenes stories of, uh, as we, you know, as you can tell, we've gone <clears throat> a little bit longer form on some topics. Do you care to get into what was going on behind the scenes against Chris Curtis? I mean, one, I couldn't, I I couldn't walk the two days before the fight. I uh, hurt my back. Literally, we were playing basketball. We weren't playing a game. We were just playing horse. No contact, no touch, no nothing. And we were just shooting around, and um, my back started tightening up. And I, I told my friend, I was like, bro, I'm done. I, I need to go lay down. 
Um, so we went upstairs, went to our room, laid down, and like 30 minutes later, I, was, I went to get up and I was like, uh, I called my friend. I was like, bro, I got problems. He was like, what? I can't walk. Like, I need like like a cane, basically, is how I was walking, how slow. Like, everything was so stiff and tight. So we called the PI and Tara worked on me for the next two or three days, every day, like hard. Like, it, it, it hurt. And um, got me to where I could walk and uh, like walk normally and do everything normally. And uh, the shakeout the morning of the fight, like I started kicking and I kicked twice. And I told Henry, I was like, Henry, I can't kick no more. If I kick, I'm not going to fight. Like, everything will tighten up again. So when I lifted him in the first, like right off the bat, I was like, oh, no. Like, I can't, I can't do that. I can't facilitate that. I don't know if my body can handle it right now. So that, like, that was kind of in my head. And then I had a lot of, well, like major, like family things going on at that time too. Like all fight week, I was dealing with that. And to be honest, I, people say it played with my head, but I don't think it did. Like, I think it helped take my focus away from the weight cut. Cause the weight cut was kind of hard for some reason. It's right. sick. Or I was just getting over being sick. So like the weight wasn't coming off like normal. Yeah. But, so, help with that but i was i was dealing with that too so between those two things and just like the short notice as well like just not being able to prepare like jumping from th two different guys already like we trained for brad tavares for eight weeks i was a thousand percent confident i was going to walk through him then i got roman delize for a week was totally confident with him then we waited a couple days finally got curtis and I, I'll, I'll be the first to tell you, I asked for Curtis. I felt I told uh, my manager and I told Mick that I figured he was still ready. You know, he always stays ready. He's always ready to go. He's he's good. He's a, a true vet. You know, he has a lot of fights. So I was like, I'm pretty sure he'll take the fight. But we yeah. waited three days and um, got him. So then we only had like, I think, I don't know, maybe five or six days until we traveled to, to – uh, Vegas for fight week, but by that point, man, I don't really care. I gotta make the money. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta fight. I don't yeah. Care who it is, and that's just kind of how it was. But it is what it is. I still think I was winning the fight. I thought I was in the fight. I thought I was, I thought I was comfortable. I was getting his. He was touching me. You know, I'd throw and he'd come back and he'd hit me with one and I'd make him miss the rest. And um, I felt comfortable. I felt I had his timing, his distance, and. Um, he threw that body shot. I blocked it, and I didn't see the hand right behind it, and it hit me dead in my jaw. That's the first time in my life that I've ever been dropped to my chin. My temples have been suspect. I ain't going to right. lie. <laughs> right. But my jaw has been good. That was the first time. So um, that was different. But, yeah, it's, it's just those little things that irritate me and um, just as a competitor. But it's nothing against him. It's not his fault. He did what he was supposed to do. <clears throat> right. Um. So back to like the earlier days, we kind of went over why you loved fighting. How would you describe the early part of your career as you're trying to make it now as an MMA fighter with <clears throat> the goal being the UFC? I didn't even care about the UFC at that point. It was so far out of my reach and out of, you know, accomplishing that. I didn't even care, man. I was just trying to have fun. I was just trying to enjoy enjoy the process and see where it would take and take i took one thing at a time one fight at a time and um it didn't start like playing with me until i was like a couple fights in as a pro where it was just like or maybe when i turned pro like after the first one it was just like i started feeling the pressure a little bit you know you, you go undefeated as an amateur you win all these things everyone's starting to know you. you're starting to get all this hype and then um you lose and you're just like fuck man i i remember going into my first ever loss thinking to myself something my friend Kurt always told me going into his fights when he was, you know, getting big. It was like, you know, you're going to lose at some point. You're going to lose. It's going to happen. And when you're at that point, you're, you're asking, you're, like I was asking myself at least like, is this going to be the one I'm going to lose? Am I going to lose this one? Is this that one? And then you do lose that one. And you're like, shit, well now the pressure has gone. So then you go on a little streak again. And it starts to creep back in your head again. Is this going to be the one I'm going to lose? Am I going to feel all that pressure? Am I going to feel all those emotions? Is everyone going to write you off? Um, so then things change at that point. But for me at the beginning, it was just having fun. It was enjoying it. It was taking one thing at a time and just living in that moment. And Obviously, when, when you're like, people know you and you've done so many cool things, like, oh, you, you feel like the man. Yeah. yeah. At 17, 18 years old, man, I felt like the man, especially where I'm from. Everyone knew who I was. I was an amateur, but I was winning. I was doing 
you know, what everyone expected me to do, the next big thing. And um, then you start falling off a little bit and everyone just starts writing you off and things change and it is what it is. But I've kind of learned that over time. But at the beginning, yeah, man, I felt like I was the man. I was living life. Yeah. One. Do you still think that way? Like, is this going to be the one that I lose? Uh, no, I don't think think it like that. Like, for the last one especially, I'm not going to lie, man. I was shaking the night before. Like, I was shaking. I was like, man, my cold. My friends are like, hey, let's go out to dinner. And I was like, no, nah, I don't want to. Like, I don't feel like it. I don't, I don't want to go out to dinner. It's just the pressure. Like, man, I should highlight real this guy. I know I'm way, way better. I know it. But, man, if I lose to this guy, I'm really going to be written off then. And, like, those were my... I guess you'd say demons leading into the last fight. Like, like I said, the night before I was shaking. Um, I was so nervous. Like you were, you were shaking. You were physically shaking. Dude, I was shaking. I was physically shaking. Like I'm freezing, like I'm freezing. And I haven't had those feelings in a while. And like, yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was tough, man. My boy comes back in, I'm covered in blankets. And he's, I was like, bro, I'm fucking nervous. Like, I haven't had these emotions in a long time. And it's just cause like this guy, I can't lose to this guy. I can't like, and normally for me, when that happens, if I get a little nervous, I'll watch tape. Even the night before the fight, I'll watch tape and it'll make me feel better. It'll make me feel more secure. But I'm, I sit here and I watch this guy and I'm like, I watch his tape and nothing makes me nervous. Nothing. There's not one thing that makes me nervous, which makes me more nervous. <laughs> like, when I say makes him make me nervous, I mean like he doesn't possess that one knockout punch. He he can't submit me. I, I didn't feel he could hold me if I didn't want to be held, and I feel, I still feel that way because I did in the fight. Um, so it's just like if you don't possess anything for me to worry about, like it makes me even more worried that I'm I can't lose. <laughs> yeah, is, is it almost like what is? Were you wondering? We're talking about the Jacob Malkoon fight at uh, Singapore back in June. That you won by decision. Um, but like, is it almost like what are other people seeing that I'm not seeing that they think this is a good matchup? Was that part of it? A little bit, man. It was just like, man, it's just like, if you think this guy's going to hold me down the whole time without me, like, if I want to get up, I'm going to get up. If I want to sweep him, I'm going to sweep him. Now, that sense of urgency is on me. And obviously, I didn't have it a lot. I was kind of worried about tanking. Um, just, the weight cut was really hard. Um, but, you know, that's on me. And I don't believe there's one man on the roster that can literally just hold me for 15 minutes if I don't want to be held. Can you just physically hug me and hold me? Oh, yeah, there's probably a couple that could. But it's a fight. The ref's going to stand you up if you're not doing anything at all. And um, so, yeah, I don't worry about being held. If you try to punch me, that creates space. I'm going to sweep you or get up. So I didn't worry about that. I definitely wasn't worried about him getting him knocking me out, even though the two other times that I've felt that way are the two times I've got TKO'd or knocked uh -huh. out. So that was still like trying to be smart. Um, and obviously, like everyone just talks about my wrestling, but my wrestling's good. I just haven't got a chance to show it. And for this one, I thought I was going to get to show it. We tried something new, like a dumbass. I shouldn't have done it, but I tried something new the week before. I felt good with it and tried it in a fight and it did not work whatsoever. I'll tell you, it did not work for me <laughs> and got me taken down six or seven times. And yeah, man, I don't know if it was just, um, yeah, I was, I was really emotionally drained going into that fight. Like, yeah, I was so like nervous of losing to him. Like I'm never nervous of losing, but losing to him, I was nervous because He's a super boring guy. He wins fights by holding. And to be honest, I took the fight. I never wanted to leave the country, but I took the fight because I ever like people wanted me to take the fight. And I was like, ah, I'm gonna highlight real him anyway. I'm not worried about it. And you know, it the pressure always hits me, you know, right after the weight cut. After yeah. that off, the pressure always hits. And it's just like some guys it motivates me because I know like they're good, they have a name behind them. And if I lose, it's just like, yeah, I mean, the guy's good. You know, right, but this right. guy is like, to me, he was at the lower of the UFC barrel. He's boring. Nobody likes to watch him and I'm in his backyard. So that's never a good thing. You know what I mean? It's never a good thing. If, you, if you're in a backyard and you go to a decision. So, um, I knew I won that fight. Um, 
I was told I won that fight right after the fight based off the scorecard. So I wasn't super nervous when they read the decision. But right after the fight when the bell rang, I was like, they're going to give it to him. It doesn't matter what, what happened. It doesn't matter. Like, I, I, I know they're going to give it to him. So yeah, that's where I was at. <clears throat> well, you got it done. Um, you mentioned, like, the emotions and, like, battling those um, <clears throat> emotions leading up to that last fight. You've kind of had – I feel like you haven't publicized a lot that's happened in your personal life. And plenty of people don't. But um, you, part of your story was like your brother. Your brother got paralyzed in yeah. a car. Was it in a car? Or no, it was a, he jumped into a pool. Yep. So is he paralyzed like from the neck down? Uh, from the chest down, but his hands don't work. Yeah, and like you've kind of shouldered that a little bit. Uh, like how how have you just how would you describe like how you've dealt with that as you've carved out your career and kind of how important your family is to you in dealing with that. Uh, I don't know. It's, it's, um, I try not to think about it, to be honest. But if I really think hard about it, it's super sad. Like, um, only a couple of people really close to me know how, like, how I really feel about it. If I really think about it, um, so it's, it's super emotional if I really think about it, but I try to block it out. Um, it just sucks because, like, obviously, my brother's life has changed tremendously. Um, and which ultimate day. And so like, it's super sad. Like, I, uh, it's, it's almost like at points, I think it's, it's kind of my fault. So I just try to, uh, achieve things that make them happy. Like I, I don't have to fight. Like I don't have to, I have a college degree. I can go get a real job just like anyone else. I'm connected and I can do things that I want to do, but I love fighting, you know. It's a love hate relationship, but I do. But <laughs> yeah, I feel like they enjoy watching me fight and achieve these things. And like, I know my dad was like a good boxer back in the day, but he had like a family, and you know, had to go in the military to provide for the family. And so, like, he had to do that. And then my brother was on his own thing. He loved women, and uh, you know that kind of took him away. He was good at jujitsu. He was really good. He, I still think he would have been better at me, better than me at, at this sport. But um, yeah. So I just kind of do it for them more than, <laughs> and I just try not to think about like those things of like my brother's life's changed. Right, the journey of it. It's What's just, that? My brother won't live a full life. Like obviously, we don't know what a full life is. To be honest, like we don't know right. what we're gonna live but if you go by the general like what 60 to 80 years old like my brother's not going to live to be 80 years old just because of his conditions and the the medicines he takes and his body isn't able to function properly um so like if you really think into it like it's it's not it's not normal it's uh it's it's sad no it's yeah it's a tragedy and um i don't want to make this like a sad conversation about it but i it has shaped who you are i think and, you know, um, I guess, can you speak to like learning at a young age that some things will be different and they can never go back? I don't know. Like, I think the COVID pandemic, like that's brought to light to me. And then some things that my family have gone through, too, where it's just like you can want it to be like before, but it's not going to be. But if you if you kind of come to grips with that, then you can learn a lot from that about how life works and about how to you know better live a life. Yeah, for sure, man. It's just like, for me, I'm not going to lie. Like, I've, I've become a lot more, like, cold-hearted, to be honest. I'm, I, I was – my soft spot is still for children. That's probably my only soft spot is, like, children that are sick and things like that. But to be honest, my, I think that has made me – like, that situation has made me, like, super, like, cold-hearted. Like, sorry. That's all right. Um, <laughs> But yeah, it's, it's, I think that situation just made me super like cold-hearted, and maybe it's not the right thing to do or the right way to be. But I can't, I can't really change it, man. I'm super. <clears throat> just kind of looking at it as like the world is unfair type of thing. Not that it's unfair. Like it's just like, for instance, you have people on the side of the road begging for money, but they can walk, they can talk. You're begging for money. My brother 
can't go work a job. He's blessed to, you know, be taken care of by the military, but there's many people that he knows and that we know that are not taken care of by the military that can't walk, that maybe can't breathe on their own. They have, you know, a machine that helps them breathe, but they're not out here fucking begging for money. Like many of the people that I know like that are, are, are like that have been on the side of the road begging for money because I have friends that used to. They'll tell you it's from drugs, 90% of them. And they have the opportunity to go try to find a job, but it, they tell me it's easier to just go there and beg people for money. And so, like, I have no sympathy. Like, to me, like, hey, people might hate, hate it or whatever, but I have no sympathy. And it's sad because there are certain people that do need that money, but we don't know. We don't know anymore because people aren't here getting, what, maybe five hundred to a thousand dollars or more a day at intersection just begging for money when they're going to go get in a nicer car than i have and, hey and i got some nice cars <laughs> and they're going to go get in a nicer car than me no man i, I got I, I don't know to me it's like um feeding a habit you know you're enabling right. them right I'm, I'm not here to enable nobody so yeah like that's just an example like i'm just like for that like i'm cold-hearted man i, I mind my business it, so a house can be on fire over there or I'm sorry, not a house. Cause I'd still try to go see if it was kidding. <laughs> yeah. But there could be a wife and a husband over there arguing right now. And I'll mind my business and look this way because Hey, that's none of my business. That's yeah. totally between them. Like I've been asked before, like if a dude hits a chick, would you step in? Nope. Sure. Won't hmm. sure. Won't I, I've literally had a great grandfather almost get killed because of that. So no, just keep I'm not. to yourself. I keep right to myself. I'm on my business. As long as it does not involve a child, I'm good. Yeah. A child is where I draw the line because the child's innocent. They they don't know what is going on necessarily. They don't understand. They were they're put in that situation. They they didn't put themselves there. They were put in it. So to me, a child's innocent, and that's that's where I'll step in for someone that's innocent. But yeah, an adult. How hey, you <clears throat> How have you managed to have um, such success in such a challenging career? Like, it's really tough to climb as a fighter um, while kind of dealing with a lot of different emotional things and, and like dealing with the background noise, like in, before Chris Curtis and like just all these other things. Like, there's always something, you know. How would you describe putting it on the back burner to be successful in a, in a very tough field? Man, I'm I'm lucky. Like, to me, winning fights has also luck in it. And I'm not a lucky person as far as, like, winning a lottery or anything like that, but I'm lucky I've got two great kids. They're healthy. They're happy, and I'm able to provide for them. I'm lucky in the sense of I know, like, nice people, good people that care about me. Um, and those people have, you know, helped me navigate through fighting, and I've learned a lot from them. But... I would just say I'm lucky. I'm like stash blessed. Like, yeah. And I, I, I feel like I'm at the point in life where I feel like I was literally like built for this. Like, uh, obviously I have the times where it's like, there's a lot of pressure, like kind of breaks me down a little bit mentally, but like at the end of the day, I'm like, yeah, I was, I was built for this. I want that pressure. I want those hard times. I want that. Like, uh, at the end of the day, when my career is done, I can literally say I never took the easy road. I never took the easy fights. I never did anything easy. I took the long road. I took the hard road. And I'm happy with what I've accomplished. It makes those accomplishments even greater and meaningful to me. Yeah. A um, couple more questions. Thanks for being very candid, Brendan. This has been a good, a good chat. I'm chill, man. I'm I'm open if someone asks me. <laughs> no, that's why I knew that I knew that you that it was there. You know what I mean? I knew it was there. But you're not the type to go uh, put it out there yourself, which I'm not either. You know, it, it's kind of it's kind of a different muscle to flex. Um, <clears throat> so you mentioned before, like you're your own boss, right? One of the best things about being a fighter is your own boss. But to be 26 years old right now with a wife and two kids, um, to be like 23, 24, getting into the UFC. It's like a very different thing to be your own boss and um, kind of figure it out. Like I'm kind of my own boss. Like I'm not my own boss, but in terms of like the workload, like I work mostly from home, 
right? I got to manage and juggle and it's tough and I'm 40 and it's tough. So for you, like, um, how have you managed to like, like <clears throat> what can you say about being your own boss and being professional about it and figuring it out, um, in the, in the, you know, the relative youth that you have. It's tough, man. It's super tough, especially when you have like that. There's, <laughs> there's Who's that? Little, that's littlest one, Emmy. 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 Yes, that's my littlest. So, <laughs> you know, it's it's tough, man. I didn't start making money till like, I didn't start actually profiting, and I mean profiting by after I pay everyone. Excuse me, pay my bills, things like that. I didn't start profiting till maybe. I would say maybe my, my second contract in the UFC. And it wasn't it still wasn't much because the more you make, the more you pay out. Um, so then after I started making money, to be honest, man, I was kind of reckless. I'd just buy stupid stuff like that I, I enjoyed. <laughs> like what'd you buy? What'd you buy? Bro, I'd be buying cars and I still be <laughs> buying cars. What's the, what's, the nice, what's the nicest car you bought? So huh, you bought multiple cars? You just like started buying cars. Yeah, I bought multiple yeah. cars. Uh, I would say like, so it's, it's a little round. So my dad bought me my first car in high school. It was a Dodge Challenger RT. It was a 2013 brand new. Uh, the deal was I graduate. That's my graduation present. And when I graduate college, he hands me the title to the car paid off. And that's exactly how it went. Well, the Hellcats came out, and I always wanted a Hellcat. Always wanted a Hellcat. And a matter of fact, we almost agreed to it one time. And after one of my amateur fights, you can see me doing this after I won and pointing at my dad. Let's <laughs> look at it. But I was young; I didn't understand a whole lot. But my dad couldn't afford it at that time. He stretched his limits just affording that one that we got. And um, so, anyway, it got to the point where he was like, "Fuck it." He was able to afford it, so he we traded that one in, and he bought me a Hellcat. And, um, yeah, it's, um, so he bought me that and, um, it was in his name and he was paying for it and it got to the point where I was like, dad, I'll pay for it. So he bought it and I basically bought it from him. Yeah. That was my first like car purchase, like a nice car that was mine, but I had already had it for a little while. I don't know like how to really describe it or like to people, but I already had it, but it was brand new, but I bought it used. It's, yeah. It's yeah. Anyway, I got I you. That. Um, I had bought, um, before that I bought like a Honda Civic, I mean a Honda, I, I don't even know, a Honda something. And so I bought that, I traded in my brother's truck. I bought it from him after his accident. I traded in that truck for that Honda because I wasn't getting good gas mileage. The Honda, I was doing construction, so I was ruining the car, just throwing tools in the back of it. And it was brand <laughs> yeah. new, first brand new car I ever bought by myself. Um, so I traded that in for a Titan, and I just traded in the Titan for a brand new uh, 2500 Mega Cab diesel. Which so literally, cars are your thing, huh? Cars are your thing. Oh, cars and hunting. Those are those cars are my bucket list. But I, and then I just bought my dad a, a GT500 uh, after my international fight week. That's what I, I bought my GT500. Nice. So I bought him that. That one's about to get sent off to get motor work done to it. So that'll have about 850 wheel horsepower. My Hellcat's getting finished now. I can't wait. I haven't had it for four months. It's got a supercharger and a twin turbo kit on it. So that thing's capable of up to uh, 1,200 horsepower wheel. Wow. But it may stay around 850, 900 wheel because I don't feel like doing some other things. But Yeah. yeah this is a foreign language to me a little bit, but I do know that 850 that horsepower part. is like insane. Yeah, it's fast, man. It'll be fast. <laughs> but you were you were talking about how we got to cars was we were talking about how I said, how do you have it figured out in terms of being your own boss? Oh <laughs> yeah. You basically went on to explain I don't. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. So that yeah, when you start talking about cars, that's my language. I love cars. Right. Um, but um that's what I do on my free time is just watch car YouTube. Uh-huh. Um, but anyway, yeah, so I used to do like stupid stuff like that and just buy stuff like four wheelers and i just spend my money on stuff that i like to be honest but now right. i have kids and i'm trying to be smarter so like to be honest i've been i took a lot of debt to get to the point to where i was you know paying my bills i had a lot of family help as well don't get me wrong but i took out a lot of like stupid debts to maybe get those things i wanted sure. or 
so anyway, I've been paying those, paying all that off and stuff like that over the years. And finally, uh, my new contract, I do what I'll do well for myself. So like continuously paying off, but this was the last year for me of actually like doing things that I, I like wanted as far as like buying these materialistic wants. Um, after this, I have like a plan for 2023 that's already in place of like, okay, this much needs to go here, this much I need to invest here. So I, I'm making the most out of my money because I'll be 27 years old. I've got two kids. Um, school ain't cheap. Well, it's a Mother's Day Out program, but that ain't cheap for the yeah. oldest. So, you know, life's kind of hitting me. I'm starting to mature more, but uh, I think it just comes with age and who you are. Like I'm very like into those things that I like and I've worked really hard to get those things. So I was like, oh, oh, you know, you hear those people always like, uh, you deserve it. You should get it. Okay, well, I was that person. I think I deserve it. So, boom, I'm going to go get it now that I can. Or, you know, America's very like, want. if you want it, you can get it. There's credit cards. There's loans. Yeah. There's any ways. You, you can get it so fast, so easy nowadays. And I think I know I fell into that for a lot of it. But now I'm at an age where it's just like investing. And now I'm trying to make money work for me. So after fighting, I don't have to do anything else like I just announced today that I'm starting my own MMA promotion. Um, no so way. Yeah, man. We just announced it. Congrats. What's it called? All in combat. All in combat. Where's it going to be? Louisiana? Louisiana. Wow. Yeah. Man, we could so, go another hour on that. Yeah, I didn't so know that. Congratulations. That's big news. Thank you, bro. Yeah, we are, um, we're all official. We did all the legalities and stuff that we've been working on for I don't know, like a month or so. My wife's been doing all that. She's like the CFO, I guess you would say. Sure. All. Um, so that's all done. Our first show is February 25th and um, in Louisiana. And I'm super excited. Uh, I'll match most of the pros, but my friend will match the rest of the card. I have him that's going to be the matchmaker. And I have another friend of mine that will be like the social media guy for everything. And um, so, for now, so that'll be good. Yeah, one of my last questions was going to be like, what's the plan? You know, obviously at 26, you have plenty of fighting to look forward to, we think. Um, and like a career that has been great, that is continuing to build. But like, do you think about what you're going to do when you're 40, right? Because then you're still young compared to most people in life. But <clears throat> the fighting is obviously a window. What do you think for your life? Like, what do you want for your life? Like I said, I got the promotion. Hopefully that'll do well. And I'm not a mediocre guy. I don't want to just be an average local promotion. I want to do something very, you know, good. Maybe not a UFC level, obviously, but something something good. Um, so I want to do that. I'll probably open up a gym that I won't teach too much at it, to be honest, just because, one, I don't have the time, and two, I'm not a big fan of teaching, but I can teach. Um, I'll do a gym and then I want to invest in uh, like rental properties and flipping homes and things like that. And if I ever needed to be where I got bored, I would go and be the police because that's what my degree's in. Right. Ultimately, I want to retire at 35. Be done. Like, I, th I think. Done with fighting at 35. Yeah. I think that's my. Unless I'm making literally millions per fight, there's no reason for me to stick around after that point. I've been fighting at that point since I was 17, training since I was 13. My body will be done by then. Plus, like I said, I have two kids in there. I'll probably have two more by that time. So I just want to be a dad. And, um, you know, I want to have a nice a nice big house because of all these damn kids. <laughs> and, uh, a lot of property and just animals, man. I want to just be taking care of my animals and just staying at home, enjoying life, going to hunt. That's that's what I want to do, man. I just, yeah. I just want to alone at, at my property like a compound and just that'll be good. I don't say this as a negative thing, but you seem to be somebody who's very content with pleasing yourself in, in the, the ways that are important, right? Family, hobbies, your passions, and you're not going to look for outside validation to, no. to make you feel good about what you've accomplished. And that is something that everybody can take from, but it's very tricky. A lot of times the outside validation is what we're all chasing. Yeah, no, I don't have that problem. I think, like, growing up to where, like, I didn't really care about meeting people and doing things like that, just being so reclusive, I, they don't really bother me. The things that I like and, the like, people see me buy and get, and, like, some people might even talk shit, like, saying, like, I buy, you, you spend all this money on side-by-sides and cars <laughs> and stuff like that. 
yeah, I don't really care because it's mine. Like, that's what I want. I don't want it for someone else. I want it because I want it. I don't want it because, you know, my friends want me to have it. And it you don't want it for Instagram. It. Nope. I'll have it because I like it. I enjoy yeah. it. It's mine. And that's like how I live my life. Man, I look at it like this. If I can literally tell my own family, like, F you, like, I don't really care how you feel. How the hell do you think I feel about some dude over here that I don't even know? Never, never will I do something just to impress someone else. It's it's about me, man. Like, me and my family, that's what, that's my morals of what I have to look out for. Fantastic, dude. I think we'll leave it there. It's great All chatting right. with you, Brendan. You too, man. You know, I like that uh, there's several Brendans in MMA that are, you know, promoting the correct name so that we don't get called brandon all the time i still get called it all the time of course i get called brandon too how many times do you need to see brendan with the en on on a screen like i there's a graphic every time i'm on screen there's a graphic every time you're on screen i tell them all the same thing i'm like yo you know who brendan fraser is the mummy they're like <laughs> I was like, all right, well, that's who I'm told I was named after. So say it like that. <laughs> you were named after Brendan Fraser? My dad swears to God my mom named me after Brendan Fraser. Fantastic. So God bless him. <laughs> Perfect ending. Brendan, thanks very much, man. Appreciate you doing this with uh, the family all around in tow and camp getting started. I'll uh, I'll see you again before too long, I'm sure. Sounds good, my brother. Thank you so all much, right. Brendan. Have a great one. Too bad. Bye-bye. There you have it, Brendan, not Brandon Allen on Fitz Nation. Named after Brendan Fraser, I gotta tell you, that made me feel old. I would imagine it made several other people out there old. Uh, I was definitely not named after Brendan Fraser, being born back in 82, recently turned 40 years old. Hope you enjoyed that story that he told about his life, about his career, about what's important to him, about what's not important to him, the opinions of others such a valuable thing to really internalize and live your life by sometimes you just got to do you actually not sometimes all the time so um there you have it another episode of fitz nation in the books watch it on ufc fight pass if you want some news from me i am thinking about and pretty sure that i will relaunch my youtube channel now i won't do it with this podcast the exclusive place to watch it will still be on UFC Fight Pass, but I'm thinking a lot more short content of fighters that I'm in their orbit. It won't be virtually connected interviews as it was here with Brendan Allen and as it often is on the podcast, but um, in person, right? When I'm with Laura Sanko on a Tuesday, maybe we can do a five-minute interview. When I'm with DC and Paul Felder, on September 17th for Corey Sandhagen's Song Yudong Fight Night, I can pull one of them aside for three minutes, five minutes, eight minutes, and do mini interviews that I think that you would enjoy and get value from. And also just some other behind-the-scenes stuff of the fight game that I think might be great. So look for that. Brendan Fitzgerald will be the title of my YouTube channel. And maybe I'll spark back up some more content as we continue into late 2022 that'll do it for the show thanks as always for listening subscribe to the podcast share it with the mma fan friend in your life and i'll see you next time on fitz nation